Nationals. Some 92 Nationals, as far as I understand. It's really, really a melting pot. And in some ways, it is really melting too. My greatest sympathies, of course, to Mr. Quick and the Cox family. Almost every morning now, when you wake up, there is the sad news of somebody, somebody being killed. When will it end? Let us pray. Our God and our Father, once more we thank you for the physical life you've given us and the hope of eternal life. We pray for this beautiful country we call home. Though it is being destroyed by various elements and we seem not to be able to come to grips. We pray, dear Father, that you would open our eyes, the truth we'll find, or else will be too late. So shed your love among us. We walk in darkness and alone. Draw all men closer to each other's side. Then all the answers will be known. Amen. We give you thanks. Amen. Again, I want to welcome everyone, wherever you are in this land. And, of course, a great welcome to members of the diaspora, whether you're up there in the United Kingdom, and there are growing numbers up there, uh, United States of America, a few in Canada, uh, several dispersed all around the Caribbean, but particularly the Bahamas, where there are perhaps more persons, not perhaps, there are more persons of Turks and Caicos origin from those who are living here, welcome. Hopefully by this program, you're able to keep in touch with what's going on home, although sometimes it is so sad that I have to bring you bad news. But in a way, as the song says, there are times of joy and there are times of sorrow. So for those who are celebrating whatever it is, whether it's a birthday, a wedding anniversary, or some other major accomplishment, congratulations. To those who are sorrowing, may God help you to carry your heavy load. Here is the Gospel Blitz prayer. I hope this will bring some comfort to you.
Absolutely beautiful. If not the best, it certainly is one of the best uh, gospel recording music uh, done locally. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, as I promoted the show, I told you that I'll be having guests today. And they're all in the studio. Actually, one of them remarked earlier uh, that there are in the studio, and this must be history, four former, <laughs> emphasize the word, former ministers of government. <laughs> anyway, uh, let me welcome, in a particular order, but Mr. Herbert Bean, who many of you know served uh, for a short period as Minister of Health and Education. Um, Minister George Lightburn, uh, he served in government as a Minister uh, of Home Affairs. And uh, Honorable Oswald Skippings, uh, two or three times uh, Chief Minister, twice, twice, twice. It was Derek who was sworn in three times, but served twice. <laughs> okay, two terms rather. Gentlemen, welcome to Expressions. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thanks for having us. All, All right, well, as I often do, whether it's ministers or other guests, I come as it were with clean hands, and a pun is intended in that regard. <laughs> no script, nothing prepared. And uh, so, I will simply go according to what you have to say to Turks and Caicos today. Now, in no particular order, it's entirely up to you. So, gentlemen, again, welcome. I must point out that a significant portion of the show is devoted to call-in. But for most of them, and today is no different... Uh, the first hour or so will be discussion among ourselves. All right? So, somebody, take the lead. Good morning, Turks and Caicos. Uh, Herbert Bean here. I was invited uh, through, actually, a discussion with a number of other community leaders to appear on this show uh, in a public conversation to address a few very pressing local and national issues. First of all, I want to give God the thanks for keeping me healthy keeping my family and yours healthy and safe, but also for giving me this opportunity to be involved in another national conversation. I intend to be involved in a number of discussions over this radio show today, but I would just like in my introduction to first of all leave uh, a very very serious concern with you I'm reminded that uh, during the week of the death of the queen it was pointed out 
that that young woman took the responsibility, basically the responsibility of the whole world, at least the greater portion of the world, at the age of 25. And I'm appealing to the young people of this country for the sake of this nation, for the concerns that we all have, that they step forward and be a part of this national conversation and also a part of taking the responsibility to save our beautiful by nature Turks and Caicos. I will allow the other members to make their introduction. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Hall, for allowing us to be on expressions today. I look forward to having a very fruitful uh, conversation about the issues that are affecting our country. And I want to say that um, whatever I say today will be will be said purely from a nonpartisan standpoint. I am currently affiliated with um, no political parties. I'm just a, a Texan Kegas Islander. I'm speaking as a concerned citizen of this country, and you would agree, Honorable Hall, that the issues affecting our country are many, and I thought it was, you know, I think it's time for, not just myself, for, for all Texan Caicos Islanders, concerned citizens, to recognize what is going on and speak up and hold those accountable who are charged with securing us and for developing us and for making decisions that are supposed to be in our best interests. And so let's have the conversation, Honorable Hall. Thank you very much, Honorable Hall, for um, affording us this opportunity to um, address the nation. And I would like to begin this, um, this morning by offering my most sincere sympathies to the bereaving spouses and children, parents and siblings of the many deceased men and women from our communities who are brutally murdered, who have fallen victims um, to dangerous and heartless people. May God strengthen you and comfort you and, and may God bring about a change. And I think it's about time that the church would, would take its stand in terms of recognizing that if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. And our land needs healing. So I'm first of all appealing to the church to step up and let's take our rightful place and let's exercise the authority that was given to us to heal the land. And secondly, um, we need to have the right people, <clears throat> sorry, in, in, in position because faith without works are de is dead. And, you know, that is um, one of the reasons why, you know, there is um, Honorable Dean and, and Honorable Lipen in the studio this morning because these are, are two of the, the persons, I most said young man, but um, these are two of the persons who have 
the interests of the people of the Turks and Caicos at heart. These are persons who not only identify the problems, but have solutions. You know, a lot of people can identify problems, but everybody doesn't have solutions. And also have the courage and and uh, patriotic commitment to the country. You know, that's why we're here. Like like Honorable Lightman said, he's not committed to any particular party. Um, you know, um, at the moment, I'm, I'm a Turks and Caicos Islander who's very concerned as to what is going on and what is not going on as to where we are where we are at and where we are going and that is why we are here this morning um, as, as a group you may call it um, to address some of these issues and um, primarily we would be dealing with um, we would like to to look at um, crime and planning forward planning and and the franchise and anything that offsprings from that, well, um, will be discussed. Thank you, Honorable Hall. Well, you have said um, in your statement, and I think that's a good foundational point, that to do almost anything, you have to understand the origins or circumstances leading up to. Um, so you said you need to identify the problem. Well, uh, first of all, then, let me give you all the opportunities to expound on that. Tell us what have you been able to identify as the causative effect for this whole surge of crime, and uh, then uh, we can go on to your proposed solutions. In any particular order, go right ahead. Well, to be honest with you, Honorable Hall. And this is only my opinion, and this is what I've observed over the last several years. And I'm glad you asked the question, let's look at the origin. How, how, how is it that we are where we are? How did we get to this place? Right? When we have persons who are being paid to protect our country, and I'm not talking about the police, I'm talking about those persons who have oversight for security in this country, who are charged, who, who, who's taken oath to protect us. In my opinion, Honorable Hall, they have failed us. They have failed us. Every morning, like you said earlier, we are waking up to the sad news that young men in particular are dying on our streets. Our streets are full of blood. And there seem to be a blatant lack of concern as it relates to finding solutions. Now let's examine what is going on in this country. I took office in 2012 under the then Rufus Hewitt administration. At that time, when I took office, we had police stations, sub-police stations at every, almost every settlement in Provo. And I gotta say Provo because Provo is the hotspot where crime is, is prevalent, right? We had substations in, in the bike, we had substations of five keys, even in Leeward, we had substations all over the place. When I left office in 2016, shortly after that, those offices, those offices were closed. Think about that. Why would anybody, be it the governor, the commissioner, whoever, why would they strategically shut down police stations and crime-infested areas? <coughs> Think about that. That, is, that was not done by mistake. In my opinion, that is a deliberate act. 
not only did they shut down police stations in those hot areas, they shut down the police plane for almost three years. The police plane, Honorable Hall, that does surveillance to detect illegal vessels coming into this country with guns and drugs and whatever else that they that they are bringing with them. And so it, it was fear for me, based on what I just said, to say that whoever strategically, and, I, and you know who they are, have done what they've done, they have succeeded. They have succeeded in destabilizing our country. Our country is destabilized. I'm not here to defend the government, the governor, nor the police commissioner or police department. I don't know that it is defensible. Uh, however, they're capable of defending themselves, hopefully. Uh, but um, when some statements are made, and I've deducted from what you are saying, am I to believe that they deliberately, deliberately caused the situation that we are experiencing, based on what you said? I said, Honorable Hall, that I believe that the removal of those substations was done deliberately. And what we are experiencing now with blood in the streets is a result of that. Everybody knows that when you have police presence in crime-infested areas, it serves as a deterrent to crime. It uh, does. <clears throat> Honorable Hall, uh, just, to, um, just to top off what um, Honorable Leipen is saying, um, it was it wasn't a minister or ministerial government that got ri got rid of spice, for example, and we know that spice. One of the things they dealt with was illegal immigration. So you would ask yourself, why would the the authority, be it the governor and the commissioner of police, whoever, would would get rid of that? Um, secondly, a defense force was put forward by the elected government. The plans, the study was done. The plans were done. There was already a site in Providencialis by South Dock to set it up. And the British government, the governor at that time, said, no, they're responsible for security. But yet they didn't go ahead with it. They canceled it. Um, and then again, and that was done by a local commissioner of police who, who put it together. Not not the British, but it was the British who who dis, who no. yes who, who knocked the idea um, down, um, and and so we we have um, also a situation where Honorable Leipman said there was there was a um, police station in Five Keys. They closed that down. We promote the Turks and Caicos Islands and from tourism a tourism standpoint as a safe haven. That was one of the main pitches, and you know that. But they closed that down in spite of the fact that we were growing in development. We were bringing in more people. They closed the one in Blue Hills down. As a matter of fact, the young man that, that was killed in Blue Hills um, some weeks ago understood he was killed right in front of the building where the police station was. The same thing happened in Middle Caicos and whatnot. They closed down all of that. They closed down the police station in Sol Key. So they are dismantling, you know, all the facilities and, 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 and everything else that is put in place for um, law and order and security. And like Honorable Hall, say, um, Honorable Leipon says, can that um, be a mistake? Why would you deliberately dismantle and pull down? They close down the ear wing. The ear wing is where you had ear surveillance that you can see where 
um, boats are coming in from afar and you have an opportunity to deal with that. This commissioner of police closed that down, allowed the plane to ride on the airport, went to the um, United States, um, millions of dollars were lost in buying another aircraft, which was also lost. What happened? If that was a local and not a British or, or what have you, he would have either been called, um, you've been called to order. Um, charge or something um, for misappropriation or what, but nothing was done whatsoever. And so we we, we have the, these um, situations where we have to we have to believe that there is more behind that than just a mistake. It can't be a mistake. They're responsible for building law and order, but they're break tearing it down. What's the reasoning? That is why we're in the situation that we are now in today. They took police officers out of the Grand Turk, the nation's capital, when we needed more. So we had murders in Grand Turk as a result of that. They closed down the Marine branch in Grand Turk. No, no vassals even to um, help out um, fishermen in distress or to deal with the poachers. So when the our folks from Solki and Grand Turk go out to fishing now, and and sun 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 is setting, and the and the the Dominican vessels are coming, they have to run home. They, they know their time is up, so they have to run because there is no protection, there is there is nothing. So tell uh, anyone can say, why would the British, who is responsible for security, deliberately dismantle everything that relates to security? Hence we are where we are today when um, there are mothers every, every week, sometimes two, three times a week, um, you know, there's crime, there's violence. Um, there are people who are on the run in, in the Turks and Caicos and can't be found. Um, we have a problem. We have a serious problem. And that is not the responsibility of the elected government. That is the portfolio of the governor under the Constitution. And he, the commissioner of police is his, um, is the person who leads his portfolio. In the United States, we do hear of a lot of conspiracies and conspiracy theory. As you spoke, I wondered if there is a conspiracy on the part of the British. Is it their intent to allow things? Because the case you seem to be building to me, they closed down stations, they closed down the air wing. Marine branch. Marine branch. And the, and the police training school. Right. Are you saying to me then they are deliberately setting the stage for instability in this country? Of course. That is my opinion. I, that, that is what I believe. And I if so, why? Because they would like for the people of the country to believe that we would always need the British. Um, you know that um, if they can't provide the necessary um, security, you know, then we can't. And that is the that is the biggest mistake, the biggest conception. That is what leads us to look back at all everything that is going wrong, and understand that as a people, you know, after almost 400 years after slavery, you know, we are still a colony. We are still being colonized. We still have the colonial knee on our neck, and we are not able to move forward. While other countries in, in the Caribbean are moving on to republics. We are still haven't moved on to self-determination. Our constitution has been um, pulled, you know, um, changed. We have had um, 
uh, interim British interim administrations, and every time that comes, we retrogress. You know, we go backward. So it, 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 it's a plan, and we need to understand as a people that we need to plan our way forward. We need to understand that Turks and Caicos people are not as stupid as the British and and, and, and a lot of other nationalities think. That we too can can um, plan our way forward. We too can can steer our own course, you know, and we need to do that. This is the, the 21st century, Honorable Hall, and we are still here, um, you know, um, submitting to rejection in, in our own country. You look at all the departments, most of the departments in government. Do you see indigenous Turks and Caicos Islanders there? You look in the private sector. I mean, everything you look at, um, we're in trouble, you know, and we need to step forward and take matters into our own hands, take our country forward, plan and move forward. Honorable Hall, what is the biggest cry you hear coming from our people since crime has escalated to where it is now? The biggest crime you're hearing from our people, we need the British, we need to bring in the British troops, we need British, British, British. You hear that, right? Yes, I do hear that sometimes. Exactly. How do you warn the same persons who are responsible for bringing us to where we are. And it's a game. It's a game. But I don't only hold the governor, the commissioner, and all these British people accountable, you know. The people went and voted for a government. The role of the government, Honorable Hall, and you would agree with me, is to advise the governor who is responsible for security. Right? And if I'm the leader of a country, or if you're the leader of a country, I'm sure you would say in cabinet to the governor, we have to, as a government, we have the reins of parliament, we have the ability to appropriate funding, and we are going to appropriate X amount of dollars for X, Y, Z in terms of security, and we are putting it to you that this is what we wanted to go towards. And if the governor says, no, I can't do it, then you as a government, you have a responsibility to report back to your people and say, hey, I'm not directly responsible for security, but I'm responsible for appropriating I appropriated the amount of funds that are required to fix this problem, and the governor has said no. But until you see that scenario play, play out, then we cannot only just blame the, the British. We have to blame those who have the ability, who have been elected to represent us. And as a government, you cannot come and say, oh, I'm not responsible for crime. You're responsible for the tax and gangers. You're responsible for everything that affects us. Before I go further, for some of my skeptical uh, listeners, let me make it clear. I am far from being naive, but sometimes, for the purpose of this show, when I have interviews, I have to be provocative. I have to ask certain questions to bring out uh, certain things. Honorable Lightburn, you were in government before, and you, like the others, do know very well how government functions. Successive governments, PNP and PDM, have given the police force the tools that they need. Successive governments have likewise urged the governor to take certain actions. Some have gone public, others through the Security Council, where the premier part of and but at the end of the day like Honorable Oswald Skipping said constitutionally 
And this is one of the governor's reserve powers. And uh, the, well, I make no excuse for PDM or PNP. There is so much that they can do or say. It falls in the lap of the governor. It's like when I first met him, and the only con we've had two conversations since he was here. And I'll say publicly, the first one was a turn-off, and I've never sought to talk to him much since that. Because when we spoke then, I said to him, and you know that's two years or more, what is needed, particularly in <coughs> Providencialis, is sectional lockdown, where you can search for drugs, illegals, guns, etc. You don't have to lock the whole island down. You can have uh, states of emergency in certain areas, okay? He said to me that what we wanted was a police state, that ain't going to happen. And furthermore, what we wanted, we can't afford. The only other conversation we've had was that when he delivered the throne speech, and I said, now you speak in my language. I didn't remind him of what uh, I said before. But I say all this to say, irrespective of suggestions made, whether it's from the man in the street or in Parliament, at the end of the day, like Mike Mizek used to wrongly say, the box stops there. In this case, the box stops with the governor. That brings in, like Honorable Skippins alluded to, the wider constitutional issues which we need to get to later on. Uh, Honorable Hall, uh, I'd like to go back to the question that you posed. The question that you posed was, how did we get here? Um, actually, we just didn't get here in a jump or a skip. We got here progressively. We actually, what has happened in the Turks and Caicos took some time. It took some time, and so I want to just spend a minute or two. As much as you wish. <laughs> to talk about how we got here. From the very beginning, we as a people, through our government, invited non-nationals to come into our country. Basically, what we said to them was, come in, bring your money, <coughs> set up your business, and we will work for you. So at the very foundation we started out wrong. As a matter of fact, I don't want to go way back to beat or flog a dead horse. Because as human beings, as a matter of fact, as intelligent human beings, we learn, we progress by going back and looking at the mistakes that we've made. And that was the fundamental mistake. Most of us may not want to acknowledge the fact 
that basically, <coughs> for all of the development that we've brought into this country, we, the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands, have been the ones who were left on the wrong end of the stick. And I, I wouldn't want to <coughs> use the local uh, terminology there. We ended up in a situation where we have found ourselves struggling for menial jobs. We have totally lost our place in the economic community. At the very beginning, at the top of the economic chain were the big developers. And then coming down the chain, Turks and Caicos Islanders, somewhere down the train were involved. Now, let us look at something very, uh, a very simple situation that all of us can appreciate. And we just simply consider how many local retail stores are in the hands of Turks and Caicos Islanders. Just that alone will tell us how far we have regressed. So, we don't own any part of the economy. We don't we are not protected at all to hold on to any local business whatsoever. So, our young people who we claim have gone in the wrong direction have, has basically seen two opportunities. The only two areas for us to be able to make money is to get involved in drugs or get involved in gang-related activities that eventually brings back money. Control areas. And so, as small as this country is, we've ended up with gangs. Imagine a, a, a country with around 40,000 people, and you have gangs out on the street, not at night, in the middle of the day, in gang warfare. It is reported, as you all are aware, that there are certain parts of Providenciales where the police dread to tread. There are areas where the police don't want to go there. Who would ever believe that we would have gotten there? But back to the subject, how did we get where we are? We got where we are because we didn't keep the interests of the indigenous Turks and Caicos people at the forefront of the development. And so we are now at the foot of it. And these are the consequences that we face when you, we have a situation where we have allowed and promoted development and had all of our people left out. The point of going a little further as to the possibility of some 
conspiracy. It seems quite possible. Uh, and I want to expand a little bit on the the idea of the conspiracy. Uh, it has been more or less stated by uh, my other honorable colleagues here. But let us also always remember that through the history of the Turks and Caicos Islands, every single time that we seem to have gotten on a positive footing, the British has been able to find us in a position where they simply say, you have mismanaged the country to the point where we have to step in and take over. And so, is this another element of that same conspiracy? Remember, the, in the other instances, the elected governments were the ones who were more or less accused of allowing the country to reach to a rotted state whereby the British felt it justifiable to come in and take total control. Well, if you have a complete breakdown in order in our country, don't you see where that is quite possible that the British can use that excuse to say that this country is so unstable Okay, so unstable in, in, in every aspect. And the actual economic future of the country is at risk. And Honorable Hall and Honorable Skippings and Honorable Lightman, we are teetering right at the edge of that situation where we can tomorrow flip into a position of economic disaster because I continue to maintain that there are many beautiful islands in the Caribbean with beautiful water the sun is always shining there's some culture there there's some friendliness there with the people what we have is we have Grace Bay, the most beautiful beach in the world. Well, from a tourism standpoint, I might want to go to the most beautiful beach in the world. But if it's not safe to go there, then maybe I will decide to go to the Bahamas or Jamaica or Barbados, somewhere where it seems to be a little more safe. And believe you me, statistically speaking, the Turks and Caicos Islands is not even as safe as any of those countries uh, that I've just named. So, in short, I hope that I've been able to address uh, at least partly uh, the question, how did we get there? Now, I think what we, what we really need to begin to discuss is how do we go forward? Before you get to that, now, as host, I do not adopt an adversarial position 
to anyone that I have on as guest. However, there are times when I will put my views across or ask some questions to get more clarity. And in that light, I like to respond to a few things that you might have said. Now, I'm sure you didn't mean it in the general sense uh, with regards to the youths going to drugs and gangs, because I really think that's a small minority that are so involved. Now, I would say there's a large majority who use marijuana, no doubt about that. But as far as selling of drugs and involvements in gang, I think that's a small group uh, that, that's so involved. You refer to the retail businesses closing down and little or no protection for indigenous people. But as often said, sometimes we are our worst enemies because a lot of us simply give up our businesses to the Dominicans, the Indians, and whoever, <laughs> you know? And irrespective of whatever government is in power, it's a difficult thing to control. Um, and so you see a Haitian or a Jamaican or a Dominican or an Indian operating a store. When you look on the wall, whose name is there? Robert Hall, John Brown, so and so. <coughs> and, uh, you know... Honorable... Liban, before you, before you go on, I, I really would like to address sure. this. As former members of the House of Assembly, we ourselves had been, some time or the other, charged with the responsibility of representing our fellow Turks and Caicos Islanders. And we've, uh, this is a very, very common statement. Sometimes we have to protect our people from themselves. In many occasions, through legislation, we had even done that. Because even in this case where we use this excuse that the Turks and Caicos Islanders are the ones responsible for these things, it is not really so. And uh, just let me just let me explain why it's not really so. There may be a few Turks and Caicos Islanders who were in business or who didn't even go into business, and who marched down to the office and got a business license to operate a specific business legally. Business licenses are non-transferable. Number one. So. If Honorable Hall has a retail license, even another Turks and Caicos Islander, God, even God. Honorable George Lightman cannot operate on that license. Exactly. So the excuse that we're using is invalid. Furthermore, even if technically we could have gotten around with that, let us go to immigration. Every single person in this country residing legally who is not a citizen, who don't have BOTC status, 
or who don't have PRCs are either on a resident or a work permit. Every single work permit specifies your employer, specifies your employment. So, for example, the guy down the, the Haitian guy down the street in Grand Turk, who has two stores and a restaurant, he can't be on a work permit. Because even if he was on a work permit as a manager, that work permit had to have had who was his employer. He can't be self-employed. And so, to get around stating that, in other words, we can't do anything about this because these people are empowered by Turks and Caicos Islands. It's, it's not really correct. No, we right. have the law there, mm -hmm. and what is missing in almost every instance in this country that has basically caused a breakdown in order of this country is lawful compliance. Persons not being held accountable according to the law. And that's the reason why when we start ignoring things like vagrancy, like indecent language, like guys who can just smoke on the side of the street, and people who can walk around drinking out of a bottle on the road, right? And guys who can drive around their car with a cutlass in it. Okay, it is these little crimes that add up and add up and add up. And we eventually, because we refuse to enforce those laws, the, law, the incidents get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we only start to cry after we begin to hear the pop, pop, pop. And every week, and it's a matter of fact, Mr. Hall, it has gotten to a point where it appears as if some of us are enjoying the after effects of these murders. Because it, it is almost as if, well, I now have an opportunity to get out in the public and give condolences mm -hmm. to the family of this bereaved person. And I now have the opportunity to go to a wake and sing with them. I now have an opportunity to go to the funeral and cry with them. That is real. That is really where we, we, we are. So the actual murder is now becoming secondary. We are, in other words, what we are doing is we are accepting those things. We are accommodating these situations. I hear you. I believe in uh, Honorable Lightburn wanted to interject something. I was going to make reference to your statement in relation to um, locals basically selling out. And I, would, I was going to say to you, Honorable Hall, that we are supposed to be a country of laws, right? The uh, business license category make provision for 49.51 shareholders. With the, with the local will have 51 shares. That is being mismanaged. So if you're a non-toxic gig island, I want to go into business with you. The, 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 the government has a responsibility to ensure 
that you really have 51% shares. But that is not as what's happening. We, what we have happening is we, we are having toxic gigas islanders going out there and taking out licenses for non-tax islanders. These people are setting up businesses and perhaps giving these locals for $500 a month, and they contended to do that. The government sit back with their arms full and like, you know. And also, there's something called reserve categories. It's a joke. Nothing is reserved for tax and kickers out of this one of all, unless it's 100% reserve. In fact, the government went as far as making the problem worse by implementing a restricted category. Meaning that a non-tax holder can apply for a business license in a reserve category, pending the approval of cabinet. That is the biggest joke. Because businesses that are supposed to be reserved for taxing against owners are now being enjoyed by non-taxing against owners. The poor taxing against owners can't even get a little job in those businesses. I, for openness and transparency, let me say, I have been in a partnership with a foreign person once in my life, once and only once, and it's not something uh, that I like to begin with. Having said that, I still stand my ground that a lot of Turks and Caicos Islanders have simply sold out, and it's easy passing the buck. I've seen situations going back to when I was in ministry earlier, where government had instituted a policy that only Turks and Caicos Islanders would fish on the fishing banks. Providential is they want to almost eat us alive, some of them. Some, my husband left me six boats. Who is going to work them? Blah, blah, blah. Now, of course, the government, I have to admit, which I was a part of, was weak and caved in. For me, I never would have caved in. Just like when I closed those schools, people kick hell. But I closed them because it made sense. Just like when I retired most of the untrained teachers, people kick hell. But I did. And offered scholarships to, to younger people to go off and train. And today we are seeing some of the fruits of that effort. And so we all, in a way, have to accept some responsibility to government and <coughs> individuals. Honorable. We are very, very lax when it comes to enforcing laws. There's no doubt about that. And I think we all will agree on that one. Honorable, Please. Honorable Skimming said, just give me just one, listen a minute. Honorable Hall, I agree with all of what you just said. But I, I, I want us to adopt this attitude that this conversation is not about what a former government did or didn't do. No, I understand that. Right? This is not, this conversation is not about who needs to take responsibility for what has happened in the past because there will there will come, be, uh, come a time when that season is there for us to then point our fingers and say who is responsible for this or who is responsible for that I personally would like for us to have this public conversation to see where we as a people went wrong. Okay, can look to the future as to what we can do, how we can advise our people, uh, how we can sensitize them into understanding that it is their future 
and somewhere down the line, they have to, we as a people have to stand up for our security. And so when the time comes for us to blame or not blame, that time will come. Yeah. I, I know, um, and I'll say this somewhat humorously, but it brings out a point. <laughs> I recall a certain strong supporter of the PNP. He wanted to get a uh, work permit for a Dominican fisherman, and the government was not helping in that regard. So the individual says to me, man, I can take down every and picture of them PNP fellas I got in there. They wouldn't give me a permit. I mean, that is the tendency of our people. Sometimes I would see even at the cruise center, uh, immigration will go up, they make a roundup, take 15, 20 of them down at the police station, half and in and, and, and a short period. It's crowded with trucks and Caicos Island. That's my Haitian. That's my Dominican. And they're back on the job. You know, oh gosh, man. Uh, honorable. Please. please. Honorable Hall. Yes. The um, responsibility lies at the feet of the people we elect. And I, when it comes, and the citizens too. Well, at the at, at no at the end of the day, honorable hall, it is up to the government to protect Turks and Caicos Islanders from themselves. I have examples where I had to do that. There was a, a major development that was supposed to be for Silly Creek, and a Turks and Caicos Islander said he was a part of it. We sat in executive council those days, and his name was not a part of the company. And so I refused to support it and sent it back. That Turks and Caicos Islander, a PDM, was mad with me up to recently, that's years ago, protecting from them from, from themselves. It ended up, um, you know, not, not with that individual, but it was not a part of the company, so it was not. We would have been technically giving it to a foreigner. We had another situation with the water sports situation where they came for a work permit and said that this gentleman was a part of the um, operation. And when I read the, 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 um, the, the contract, it was not so they could fire him. They could make him um, act as a boat captain, and if he doesn't, they fire him. There was no, um, um, there, was, there was nothing to, to show where the assets would be, um, you know, distributed. Um, right, distributed. Um, he had so, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I quietly and in, in, in a nice way, you know, had had them out of my, my my office. You have to protect. But guess what? There were people who around who were mad with me for protecting him. There was another situation where a big major um, 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 operation and in, in, in providencialis. We had came before executive council, and the shears were being placed in the wife's name. I deferred the paper, went to Provo personally and checked the individual. And he said, no, man, it's all right. Two weeks later, he was crying out of it. I can appreciate You understand that. what I'm saying? Yes. I am going to protect you whether you get mad with me or not, because that's what you elected me for. And if you're too blind to see it, and if you don't appreciate my protection, well, don't vote for me. But I'm going to do that. At the expense of you not voting for me. I mean, I love the principle in that regard, and perhaps that may be why some of us are where we are. But nevertheless, I guess, and, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, you know that. 
but at least we can sleep with our conscience, knowing that we did the best uh, to to help our people. But um, ever so often, I mean, our people don't even appreciate when you are really helping them. Uh, they see certain things almost instantly. They don't some some of them that is. They don't look beyond. You talk about Silly Creek, and Silly Creek is still silly. I <laughs> I could spend a half day on that one, but I'd rather leave it alone. <laughs> I, and that's why I stopped. I stopped, but but I did what I needed to do. And if they wanted it, then the Tuxikakis Island name had to be on the company where we were going to, you know, give that agreement to. And that's the situation. And the same thing with, with, the, with the gentleman in the water sports, you know, like, fine, let him be a part of it. Show where on paper he's a part of this, this, this deal. And you get your work permit and you get everything and, and, and go forward. But I wouldn't like to speak with that because at the end of the day, there was a, a minister who I understand got involved with that. And the gentleman now has status and da 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 I hear you. Honorable Hall, I'll show you. Please. You're almost about to go into your, the second segment. Uh, I'd just like to make a very short comment because uh, I think it's very important. Um, we've all agreed that there's been a breakdown in services in the area of security where there were there were institutions developed uh, that was there to help to safeguard to safeguard the security of our people uh, a number of examples were brought forward like uh, different in, in different constituencies there were there were uh, local police stations developed and so forth what I find uh, going forward as of today some of these things are so easily reinstituted for an example what does it really take for the government to ensure that there's police presence in North Cake and Middle Caicos and in Salkey. I mean, between now and the end of next week, what is so difficult I'll tell you what it for our government to be able to have a, at least one police and one a uh, special officer along with him or her in Sol Key and the same in Middle Caicos. I'll, I'll tell you what it takes on the rule being. Um, I'm glad you raised that point. I, I said earlier in my contribution that that um, the government is there to advise the governor and cabinet, right? The government, every, constitu every constituency in this country has a representative, Right? And that representative, uh, that representative must know what the concerns of their community is. And so it's for that representative who sits in cabinet to say to the governor, for example, in, in, in Middle Caicos, there's no police presence in Middle Caicos, Mr. Governor. I need you to ensure that my people are protected. So I'm putting it to you that we need a police officer or a police station in Middle Caicos 
by the end of next week. And the governor has to give a response. And if the governor says to that representative, no, I'm not, I'm not going to give it to you, then the federal representative to go back to his community and to the taxicab's office and say, listen here, I've asked for a police officer in your community, and this is the response I got from the governor. And if, the, and if you feel like the governor is active and trying to keep us unsafe, then you as a government has a responsibility to say to the FCO, I can't work with him. He has to go. Right? But I will further. Building a case. Of course. Yeah, they have But it goes further than that. Let's look at what is happening to the earwing, and I'm going to return back to the earwing because I mentioned the earwing earlier, right? There are only about <coughs> two or three entities in this country that was 100% operated by Taxi Gigas Islanders. One used to be the supermarket industry. That is out of the window. Exactly. Right? Completely. The, other, the only other entity that I can think of in the Taxi Gigas that is 100% owned and operated by Taxi Gigas Islanders are the gas stations. And, and keep your eye on that. Right? The only other one besides the gas stations was the ear wing. The ear wing was 100% operated by Taxi Gigas Islanders. Pilots, mechanics, and guess what the guess what commissioner and the governor did? Final. They parked the plane. They filed a silly excuse to park the plane for almost three years. They got rid of the mechanic, citing that he was he was uh, he had reached the age of retirement. Mind you, this guy was on a job for twenty something years, month to month, hired by the by the civil by the, by the OPSM, but he was unlawful unlawfully terminated by the commissioner of police. Now think about that. The commissioner of police doesn't have the authority to fire a civil servant. No pension. But no pension or month to month. After 20 years of keeping that plane safely in the year. Or maintaining it rather. He was sent home with no benefits. He was given a little handwritten dirty letter. Disrespectful. And so what they're doing, they're waiting on the local pilots now to reach the age of 60. So they can send them home. And on top of that, you know what they did? They've already recruited recruited one one, one white pilot. Think about that. He's the director, and he's being paid for nothing. And and I'm I'm, going to call on the leader of the opposition, who's the head of the Public Accounts Committee, to bring the commissioner in and ask him who is this person that's been hired, how much he's being paid, and what is he doing for that money, the people's money. He's not yet in the country, is he? I don't know who he is. No, not yet even in the country. But I'm trying to show you. I'm going to allow Audible Skippings to talk, but let me finish, yeah. right? But, but you asked the question earlier, if I think that what has happened to our country is deliberate, my answer to that is yes. And you know why it is, it is deliberately being done to us? We are being intentionally destabilized to, to narrow our ability to move towards being liberated as a people so we can always have a dependence on the master. Um, 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 what, something just came to mind. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if anyone in here can tell me why would the British government involve the colonies, us Turks and Caicos Islanders, um, in their conflict, so to speak, with Russia in terms of the embargoes they put on. The British government, we can't even stop one skiff boat or one canoe from coming with illegal Haitians and guns and, 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 and ammunition and drugs and whatnot. Why would they expose us? Has the British government ever involved us in any of their <laughs> international affairs? Exactly. Huh? They, you know, um, this, this it tells you. I mean, they're just using us as pawns. We are dealing with people like Putin, you know, and we have been put on the non-friendly list, which means we are on the enemy list of Russia. Why? 
You know why? I, uh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. While you gather your thoughts, uh, I find no excuse for them, and it's in many ways absolute nonsense. But what I would say, that is the price for colonialism. And, and, and uh, when it comes to these matters, and like I've always said, as far as the British cons is concerned, they are more concerned with their international posture, their interests, and not ours. And as territories that are not independent, whether it's Turks and Caicos, Cayman, uh, or wherever, when they institute certain policies, they are extended to all of the territories. But, but um, you know, we have no... We may have our sympathies with Ukraine, but we are fighting no damn war. The problem is, Honorable Hall, and Honorable Skibbins mentioned it earlier, he asked the question, why, right? And you would be familiar with Pearl Harbor, right? Yes. When it was, okay. the, conflict, when it was the conflict between the United States and Japan, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. yeah. Japan didn't go in America and hit America. They hit America and Hawaii. So by the British involving us in their international problems, they have made us a target. Exactly. So if Russia wants to, to make a statement against the United Kingdom, for example, they're not going to go to the United Kingdom. They could make us a target. They could, they could deal with us and say, what are you going to do now? Uh, so we've been exposed. Simple as Brexit. Okay. They, um, they did whatever they needed to do and catching hell for it, but go ahead. Right, and 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 and, and implemented Brexit we are because they were um, not satisfied that people from all these nationalities were coming in and benefiting from their social programs and whatnot. But on the other hand, we have a governor here who is openly promoting, right, and embracing every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and talking about and enlarging the franchise, you know. Or, as we pointed out earlier, dismantling everything that protects our borders, letting the illegals come in and now have the guts to try to influence the government to make the illegals to, le to, to legitimize them. <laughs> you understand? Why they in, they're protecting themselves in Britain, got out of Brexit, but opening our doors, floodgates, and then the <laughs> we have to wake up. We have to take our destiny in our own hands because we already have been thrown to the dogs. Uh, how, how do we get the people behind us we, in that we, direction? We educate uh, the pe people. Honorable Hall, you, you just asked a question. You said, how much longer are we willing to pay the price of colonialism? Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy that you asked that question because that is a question that needs to be posed to the people of the Turks and Caicos Islands. As you are aware, there was a strong ideology developed from in the year 1976, 77, for us to begin to prepare ourselves to break away from the chains of colonialism. And as a matter of fact, uh, there is one statement that you have made since you've returned to the show that I have been most supportive of. 
on one of your shows, I happened to hear you say, you hope and pray that the day would come for you to see us as a nation before you close your eyes. That's the, only one, that's the only one statement you agree with? <laughs> no, no, I didn't say that. I said that was the one that I most agreed with. And 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 and, uh, and I might I might st- I might even step out on the limb and say, well, I'll have to think about think very hard to find some others. Okay, but we're not we don't need to go there, Mister Hall. I, I'm familiar right. with that. I, right. I'm familiar with that statement. Right, you are, you, you you remember that quite well. Right, more than once. And uh, Mister Hall, um, those are the kind of situations when I find myself in those situations that I swell up and to the point where I have to control myself from crying because that is such a serious reality that the road that we are going down today it is quite possible that if we fight to our deathbed, we have no guarantee that there are going to be enough Turks and Caicos Islanders who are willing to stand forward and stand firm for their benefit to take over their country. And I can, I, I, I hope that we have enough of us out there listening, because the consequences happen to be if we don't secure this country for ourselves very soon then very soon this is not going to be our country and one of the and one of the most essential steps that has to be taken in order for us to be empowered to save this country for the indigenous population is to break away from colonialism so we are we definitely on the same page there a gentleman, uh, before Jonathan Coleman said, like other politicians, don't live up to my word, <laughs> I said after an hour we will uh, entertain calls. It's now an hour and about uh, uh, 19 minutes gone. <laughs> so we have to pause a little bit to see if there are any calls. While waiting on calls, there are two comments I'd like to read, uh, individuals who WhatsApp me. I don't want any individuals to call in on my personal phone or uh, voicemail because I can't take the time to listen to it. But the number to call is one nine hundred twenty two twenty two zero zero seven. And this person says, Good morning, I'm listening in Bimini and saying hello to my brother Skip. This is a good time to take these matters to the British opposition. And this would put pressure on British government to act on the cries of the citizens of the TCI. Um, let me just read the others as they come. And uh, then we go to the calls. And this person says, shouldn't cabinet remove the authority for their intervention in restricted category? This might be the ideal situation for Turks Islanders opportunities. Thanks. That person says, uh, let's see if there is another. I believe there is. Yes, I think this person says, good morning, Mr. Hall, honorable skippings. Had to be eavesdropping 
on my conversation with my daughter last night. I was telling her, look at all the banks, nearly all the business is not owned by locals. The powers to be make it so difficult for us locals to empower themselves. Those are the commands. Again, the number to call is 1-900-2222-007. Well, let the conversation continue. The public seems to be a bit silent. I mean, such a rousing conversation, I thought it would have stimulated many of you into expressing your opinion and asking questions. <coughs> um, Honorable Hall, the, you, could look, you, you could judge a country in terms of its prosperity by looking at the prosperity of its people, right? If you look at tax and takers, you could count the local millionaires maybe on one hand, and I could get, almost guarantee you on a book called that all those persons who have attained millionaire status did so before 2003, which tells me that in almost 20 years, we haven't been able to produce one millionaire. That's an interesting story, which perhaps I should seek to dissect, but I will see what happens. Caller, go right ahead. Um, good day, gentlemen. Um, Mr. Hall, um, I've been listening keenly to your show, and I'm listening to the conversation, and it's a very nationalistic conversation. And in that regard, I, I want to use you as a reference, Mr. Hall, because I've heard you on previous shows and, and where you've challenged the whole ideology of, of indigenous. Um, I, I, I understand the whole aspect of integration and inviting people to our shores and them becoming a part of our shores. But I've been to a number of countries, and every country that I have been to, there is some sense of a reservation of a particular group of, of people, be it the Native Americans, be it whomever. We are here specific benefits that are earmarked for that particular group of people. And while you may challenge me in regards to who is indigenous, I would endeavor to say that if you can show that you have three generations of Turks and Caicos Islanders parentage in this country, I think some special privilege should be extended to you. Now, we've seen a number of changes in regards to some of these privileges. We've seen where um, the scholarship policy has morphed to include BOT citizens. In recent times, every benefit that we've gotten in terms of stimulus and what have you have been incorporated where BOT citizens have been included. And while I'm saying that I understand all of us are impacted by, by the, the, the changes that exist financially and economically in the country, I still believe, like these gentlemen say, there are some reserve areas that we need to protect for the indigenous people of the country. And I want to highlight that, in a sense, even more so in terms of government playing a more strategic role in job creation in this country through policy. We is not just about um, us looking at, okay, well, how is this going to affect the business community, but more the policies being streamlined to say how are these specific policies going to impact or empower the local populace, and especially on the island of Grand Turk, North Caicos, and Middle Caicos, because I think outside of Provo, these are the islands, when you sit down on a national basis, every year are impacted by hurricanes. Every year we are impacted by other elements of, 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 of what happens in our community. And so what we are basically saying is, I would endeavor to say, 
that these islands house most of the people, including South Caicos, house most of the people uh, that can go back maybe two successive generations in the country. And I think we have an obligation to do more in terms of trying to bring <coughs> the standard of living for the, within these communities and the overall offering in terms of job opportunities. For me, all of what you're speaking to speaks to job opportunity and job availability for people. Because if you sit down and you look at the trend, as you graduate from high school in this country, most people want to leave Grand Talk because, uh, and I'm saying this because Grand Talk is the second most populated island in the country. And so most of the young people want to leave, especially the communities of Grand Talk, Middle Caicos, North Caicos, and South Caicos, and going into Provo to look for livelihood. And so what I'm saying is, I would like to hear more of this conversation speak to how do we revitalize the economy of these islands to stop this whole urban sprawl situation that exists in Provo and to see more economic viability and opportunity in these specific islands. Thank you. Before the others respond, let me give them uh, some comments, I think, that came in from Professor Lee Ingham. And he said, the fault, my brothers, lies in ourselves because we have failed to educate our people. A major element of education is repetition, but every now and then we hear voices such as these, but these important issues must be a constant beating of the drum. Gentlemen, either of you, you may wish to respond to the caller and to the comment. Honorable Skibbins, I think um, a government must be development-driven. Honorable Skibbins, you talking to him? Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. That's uh, being funny. <laughs> We sort of like, but you know, <laughs> yeah. calling you. Yeah, and, and when you look at when you look at tax and takers, I will challenge you to pinpoint one development in the tax and takers outside of Providence Alleys in the last eight years. The only development Granta got over the last two to three years was some blacktop around the pool for the abandoned buildings and the. And the Panam Yard and the hurricane blew that down. But as far as as far as man made a tourism or tourism attractions, nothing. As far as hotels, nothing. No development has taken place. And I gotta I'm gonna speak for Granta and Granter. And as far as I can remember, in a long, long time. And it's not because there's a lack of interest on behalf of developers. I personally know developers who want to do development in Grand Turk and were intentionally shut down. No, I mean, but, uh, listen to me now. <coughs> just I'm, I'm telling a, you what I know. I heard you. But I'd like you to expand because from just a narrow political view, and that is... which No, no, it's not a view, no, it's a fact. No, 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 just... I am phrasing it this way. And I'm... Whether it is one part or the other, I would have thought that they would be anxious to bring on a development if only to say my party made the difference. So this sounds to me like a government or party shooting itself in the foot if they're going to deliberately stifle development. So you, you honestly believe that? If it was only shooting themselves in the foot, it would have been all right. But they're shooting everybody at their feet. That's the problem I have. And of course, it is true. I'm telling you, I, I, this, I don't want to go into no details and call names, but I'm saying to you that the the role of a government is to secure development. But and I challenge that among you, other things, that among, among other things, right? But when you, and I'm saying to you also that I know for a fact 
that there's no shortage of interest in developing grant up on behalf of developers. There's a lack of interest on behalf of governments. Now, for whatever reason, I can't speak for them. Well, I certainly cannot speak for them, but it certainly <clears throat> pr uh, surprises me. And if that approach was, was so, that makes no sense. It's absolutely nonsensical. I mean, irrespective of where the majority of voters are, because I hear a lot of people bring this argument, well, they could win without government. Boy, listen, you never know until it's all counted. And one vote, one seat makes a difference. I mean, I cannot argue it's for them when they come on to, to speak to this nation in terms of what they're doing and explain why they have been able to secure a major development for Grand Turk. But I'll also challenge the limited private sector, because let me tell you, there are a couple of people here with money. Why the private sector here also doesn't get involved in a little bit more attractions. Now, I know there are some people with stores and, uh, and um, sell local items, like I visited on Blasville Skipping Zone down the road and, and several others. But I still think there's much more that we as a people can do. That is not to negate government living up to its responsibility. Honorable Dean, you wanted to make a comment. Yes, uh, I, I, I'd like to first direct uh, the first statement to uh, the caller because the caller um, specifically um, spoke about the lack of development in Grand Turk, the lack of opportunities in Grand Turk. Uh, there's really not enough time at one show for us to address the issue uh, relating to Grand Turk, the development, the deterioration, and the rest. Uh, but I would like, since Honorable Leibon refrained from calling names, uh, I have no problem here in specifically calling names. The last year of the Charlene government, I sat at the Jakes McCartney Memorial on at his gravesite. The address given by the then leader of the opposition, the now premier of the Turks and Caicos Islands, went something like this. He said he had driven around Grand Turk the day before. And it put tears in his eyes to see the deterioration of Grand Turk, the capital of the Turks and Caicos Islands. And something needs to be done, and it needs to be done quickly. Before I continue with the statement, Mr. Hall, I challenge you, because every one of those ceremonies have to be recorded. I would like for you to play the recording on one of your shows to rebut the statement that I am making. Why should I? Uh, no, just in case. Okay? I don't need to rebut because, your statement. No, no, because <clears throat> there may be people, there may even be listeners out there 
who may not agree with me or who may find it, like you say, mind-boggling. The then leader of the opposition, now premier, continue with a statement. He says he would like to see the premier secure around $60 million. She said, we have it in the bank. This is what he said. To build a hotel in Grand Turk. He said, I appreciate that governments don't usually manage such facilities. But there's no reason why the government couldn't commit to building such a facility and passing it on to a, ma a hotel management company to manage it because he felt that Carnival alone, the business from Carnival alone, is not enough to sustain the economy of Grand Turk. That, that statement was made by the now premier, who has been there now close to two years, I don't know if no money, no more money is available, or whatever for whatever reason. Yeah, if you're just but he seemed not to have followed up on yeah, that. If, if just to stick a pin, to build on what you said. I mean, quite frankly, what you were saying. I don't even need to go back to the tapes. That sounded like Charles Washington music, to begin with. And I recalled uh, years ago when he was in government, he had that very concept and had uh, an architect draw plans for a hotel and saw uh, bidders to to do it with government. Whenever he comes on the show, I will remember this conversation and his other speeches, and I will ask him, why hasn't anything happened? What has happened to that idea? What has happened to that dream? Because certainly, Grand Turk needs a shot in the arm. Now, I do know of other proposals that have been put forward. Uh, and, however, they never came to fruition. And it is not for me, with the limited inf information that I had, to say, well, why it didn't happen or it didn't happen. <coughs> Honorable Hall, and I'm going to call somebody's name, and, and I don't think she will mind, but Mrs. Pauline Saunders had a group of investors that wanted to invest from the former administration and this administration who wanted to invest not only in Grand Turk but in the islands. That proposal was not um, entertained by the former administration and I don't see it being entertained. I don't know if it's in progress. Royal Caribbean cruises wanted to go into South Caicos during the last administration, just waiting on the signature. It was not given in South Caicos. Royal Caribbean wanted to come in Grand Turk up to recently. In fact, they still want to come. But a new deal was made with Carnival that gives Carnival that exclusivity again. Plus the beach. And, and you, we're talking about projects that could have come forward. Pastor Chad had a proposal for up next to Governor's Beach. Mm -hmm. Had finances. A proof of finances. 
never happened, and Granter denied. Every project for Granter has been denied. There is a project now, a proposal that's going on for... Let me leave that one alone, because... No, man, talk <coughs> it. People need to know. For Middle Caicos. Mm-hmm. That would change the economy of that island. And it wouldn't bring in a lot of... Um, uh, it wouldn't increase their population. In, in other words, you wouldn't have to say, well, this is bringing in too much furniture. No, but it would make a dynamic okay. impact. Well, again, honorable skippings and gentlemen, it is up to the government to clarify their positions on these issues. And like I said at the get-go, uh, it is not for me to defend. I am not their PR spokesman. And some of these matters and development projects that you're raising, uh, only one or two of them I might have heard about, you know, and hence cannot offer much of a comment. I'm going to remind my callers that we do appreciate your calling in and participating in the discussion. Just remember the number to call is one nine hundred twenty two twenty two zero zero seven. On my personal phone, I will only accept WhatsApp messages. So again, the number to call the radio station is one nine hundred twenty two twenty two zero zero seven, and my personal number for WhatsApp purposes only two four four seventy three thirty two. And uh, a question to you, gentlemen, I guess, again, from Professor Lee Ingham. He said, do these gentlemen have any intention of making regular appearances here and elsewhere to keep these issues in the public? The side? answer is yes. I'm un- I got all the time. I'm, I'm unemployed, so. Uh, the answer for me is obviously, well, is yes. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm hoping, uh, Professor Lee, I'm hoping that we get participation from others. Uh, this conversation is not about Politics. Honorable Herbert Bean, Honorable George Leibman, and Honorable Oswald Skippings. This conversation needs to be uh, progressed by Turks and Caicos Islanders, those, all of those that have something to offer because the boat does not belong to the three, the four former uh, old retired uh, guys who are looking <laughs> at, in, in one direction. I take, it is here for I, I take exception to that statement. <laughs> it, it, not so much on my behalf, because my children call me old all the time. But Honorable Lightburn is particularly yes. still a young man. Yes, still got a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean. I got the point. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Professor Ingram, we appreciate your input. Uh, I can also, you know, uh, that's which is another issue too. Somehow or the other, we as a people tend to prefer participation from non-Turks and Caicos Islanders. And we u- tend to use this excuse about, oh, they ain't living here, so they need to keep their mouth closed. Well... <coughs> 
we as a people, we have to all do it together. Thank but, you. Go ahead. Go Sorry for the intervention, but we'd like to you know, accommodate these callers sure. as they call in. Our caller, go right ahead. This is Expressions, the People's Program. Hey, how are you doing? Good day, gentlemen. Good day. Good day. Very interesting conversation. Enjoying it. But um, I, I recall, yes, that there is a proposal for Grand Turk uh, going on. What happened to it, though? Governor's Beach Hotel. You know, anyone know anything about the government? Remember the, the newspaper where the people was posing and say they developing Governor's Beach as a hotel proposed now for Grand Turk on Governor's Beach. Uh, you know, any more update on that? One and number two, uh, uh, from the current premier, he tried once or twice to develop a hotel on Grand Turk. I think one or two of the buildings may still be erected. I don't know if um, anyone you could care to elaborate on those. So. Gentlemen, care to respond? I am not aware of um, the hotel development he's talking about on Gover Governor's Beach. I suspect he's referring to that one that came about in the waning days of the Charlene Cartwright administration. You remember a group from the Bahamas, others were talking about their... However, I do know of uh, like a 25-room hotel that a local has proposed to do in that area, more like toward the road. Um, by the governor's um, yard and the airport going in there, that piece of land, that entrance, that a local is proposing and apparently has the backing to do it. I don't know how far that has gone. I heard about that, and I'm very, very supportive of it, because I'll tell you, and this is my own opinion, um, when I look at the trends the stops and starts of things in Grand Turk. Going back to the days when people parading around and some were saying, now we're going to get rich because this big project, whatever. Nothing has happened. I have sat with developers, and I remember one big Bob Wilson. He took needed two chairs to sit down in. And he said, well, I'm going to do another talker. And I shook my head. I said, this is the kind of person I want to hear. And he had answers for almost every doggone <laughs> thing. At the end of the day, the lead jet that he's claiming is he had a credit fuel from Norman Saunders. I mean, so I've become skeptical about a lot of things until I see it just but complete. But I do believe that the local persons who have a stake in this place, those are the ones who are going to move it forward. Honestly, I don't have that much faith in a lot of these other people who come in because many of them, they'll come to Grand Turk. Oh, it's a lovely place, lovely beach. Two days after that, then Provo, bam, that's the last you hear about them, okay? I certainly hope I've made Grand Turk my home, and I certainly would love to see something happening here, but let me stop because we have a caller. Go right ahead, caller. Uh, greetings to you, Mr. Hall, and to the honorable gentlemen and all at, at, uh, in the wonderful and grace of our great God and the King Jesus Christ. Mr. Hall, I heard you question, ask one of the gentlemen a question about... Uh, the conspiracy theory. 
And you should be old enough to know by now or have heard that in order to bring about the new world order, uh, the, the part of the, their, their goal is to create chaos where they can bring order through the chaos they're going to create. And so these things will happen. Don't be surprised. And furthermore, to get control, complete control of this country, you have to uh, step up some things in order to, to, to make our people who are competent incompetent. So that's just the, that's just the, the goals, the whole end goal for the whole world. But <coughs> the, the occasion was too great for, for me not to call you and having, having, uh, having the studio full of former politicians. Uh, I could recall uh, the last time I spoke to Honorable Skippens, I think that's when he was on Voices and he was a minister, I think it was for immigration or education or something that he was. Good to hear from you, Honorable Skippens. And just before you mentioned that, uh, Honorable, the, these gentlemen who are going to be in the, uh, the studio with you, my mind was had ran across on Honorable George Lebron wonder what he was up to. He'd been quiet for so long. What modern Honorable Lebron and... Uh, Honorable Bean, Gertie and y'all guys, boys. Thanks, man. Bye. Anyway, I'm going to have to take a break for about a minute or two, and I'm going to ask my technical reader to pull up some music. I recall what my daddy used to say. He says, three things a man should get rid of. Some of them he can't, they can't easily get rid of. And he said, uh, and he said, rather, those three things are a leaky boot, a broken-down car, and a bad woman. You can certainly get rid of some of them, but some of them, you've got to bail the boot. Friends, come on, down. come on down. We 
Welcome back to Expressions. I'm your host, Robert Hall. Uh, the leader of the opposition, Honorable Astwood, um, texts him to say, very interesting show. I am trying to call in but not getting through on the 1-900 number. Well, sir, I'm sorry about that. I could only repeat it. 1-900-222007. We have another caller. Caller, please go right ahead. <coughs> Robert Hall, I'm not a devil. They normally say when you speak of the devil, he will appear. Well, perhaps that was just my magic work in there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I finally got through. Thank you very much, because just when you mentioned it, uh, somehow I got through. I don't know if it's because a lot of people are trying to call in at the same time. Well, before you go on, uh, remember, we had a date. didn't come through because of the House Committee meeting. Uh, but um, yeah. I certainly, the door is open. Just give us a week notice, purpose of management, okay? And yes. uh, happy to entertain you. Yes, yes. I won't take much of the time. I know much more callers will call in, and I'll have different forms to express that. I just want to thank uh, the distinguished gentleman, uh, Honorable, uh, for coming on today. Uh, it is a very interesting show, and... Uh, for the most part, I do agree with a lot of the sentiments uh, that have been said. You know, and I also have to say uh, the portion where Honorable Lightburn was saying a lot of things happen that prevent projects from happening. And when you the dialogue, when you're saying, is that slow? You know, I just want to confirm what he says, you know, uh, being there also. There are a lot of dynamics that stop things from happening, not just the willingness of the representative. So I... Do agree with Honorable Lightburn. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. Like he said, there's facts. He don't have to go into details, but he knows that the dynamics at play there. And uh, I think one of the callers asked about a hotel uh, that for Grand Turk uh, that was happening. Uh, some of the same things. Uh, you know, we were advanced and moving a hotel for Grand Turk, but as we know, money don't sit still. And I think it's you who said Honorable Paul. Uh, that there are a lot of other places in the Caribbean, the sand beaches. And so so if I'm an investor and I'm trying to do something in the Turks and Caicos Islands, and for weeks and months I'm getting to turn around, turn around, well, why don't I go to Aruba or the Bahamas? The Bahamas is welcoming me. I'm trying to get into the Turks and Caicos Islands, and they're keeping me out and giving me a hard time or giving my uh, partners a hard time. But the Bahamas or Aruba or Cayman is welcoming me. And sometimes that happened also. You know, the money doesn't sit still. And um, <coughs> I do like the point that the gentleman uh, raising about uh, the national conversation, especially about, you know, our own destiny. You know, the independence. People shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. And uh, like I think it was Honorable Bean who said about the movement in the 70s, late 80s, to prepare our people. And we have digressed. We we have to get back on board. You know, we have to start to uh, get our people thinking that way. And, you know, I would like, you know, later on in the conversation, how do we actually uh, get our people to see that this is a way to go? You know, that is one of the things, one of the challenges that we have, you know, that we cannot be in our parents' house forever. We have to move out. And all the signs are showing that now is the time that we have to start thinking about moving out. We should have been thinking about it a long time. So I, you know, want the conversation to go that way and 
you know, I won't take up much more of your time, Honorable Hall. I really want to hear the gentlemen and their point of, points of view. Uh, thank you very much. In fact, we do not have much more time. It's just about six minutes left. Um, let me say, though, belatedly, the views expressed on the show are not necessarily that of the radio station or the Broadcasting Commission. As far as my views, they are mine, and I am prepared to defend them against all comers. Two comments very quickly, and then if anyone else want to call, one nine hundred. One nine hundred twenty two twenty two zero zero seven. Apparently, that person got cut off. Um, we didn't do it, but called back. And uh, this individual says, quite cynically, "Look like we are having to start applying for work permits." <laughs> uh, boy. And uh, then another uh, Miss Georgina Stiles up there in New Jersey, a regular listener, saying, uh, "Please say good morning to our guests for me, thanking them for the eye, for the eye-opening." Problems, my home, sweet home, TCI. I enjoy hearing the other side of our problems in TCI. I think we have a caller. Caller, go right ahead. Welcome to Expressions. Blessings and good day, Mr. Hall. How are you doing? Long time since I called. Okay, yes, nice to hear your voice, my good uh, friend and cousin. I'm fine. Yes, I, I love the show. Very interesting and what's going on. But do you have the, the song uh, Destiny, I Want to Rule My Destiny? And that is the way we need to go down now, the road that we need to go down now, ruling our own destiny. The system isn't working at all. We need to control our own destiny, decide the direction we want to go. Well, thank you very much. And I'm going to ask my technical career to pull that song up. We will end with destiny. All right. Um, let's see. Any other gentleman would like to make a comment? One of the things that I've is that if you making a proposal a development proposal invest TCI and, and some other department has have the ability of, of um, stopping that proposal from ever reaching to the elected government and that's a problem that's a problem that's a major problem and that is something that should be changed they should no one should have the authority to block a uh, proposal that's coming to the elected government. The, they should, at the end of the day, be able to make the decisions as to whether or not this can go forward. Thanks so um, much for your <coughs> comments. Honorable Hall, uh, I know we, we were speaking about developments in, uh, for Grand Turk. Uh, there's just one uh, statement I'd like to make uh, about that. Uh, um, and that's where I started by saying I am uh, Honorable Lightburn was more or less on the same page there. In Grand Turk, we have seven and a half miles of beach on the eastern side of the island. But we don't even have one excess road to get to it. Um, for upper, uh, tourism development opportunity, one. Number two, for public safety, two. And the list goes on and on. I mean, when, when we are not willing to invest on an excess road to the whole east beach of Grand Turk, that alone gives us an idea of how much interest anyone is putting into uh, any serious development for Grand Turk. But let us go up, let's look at the smaller developments. Um, We've had a we've had an ongoing carnival 
government carnival fund with millions of dollars for a number of years. And we can't show one substantial project that was developed uh, that promoted and enhanced the tourism product in Grand Turk. And so well, I, I have to go along with all of the, the other persons and saying that there isn't a big enough effort being made in order for us to look seriously at development projects for Grand Turk. But I conclude in saying, if you're looking at development for Grand Turk, we're looking at developments for Salt Key, if we're looking overall to deal with issues relating to our country, we have got to sit as a people and look at a plan. We need to know, if you're looking at development for Grand Turk, what is the plan? What do we, what are we looking for as an end product? I'm sorry to cut you there, but uh, gentlemen, funny how time slips away. Two hours have gone by just like that. And uh, 20 seconds for closing comments, each of you. <clears throat> well, um, Honorable Hall, um, I, I would like to assure the public that um, we intend to continue this this sort of um, dialogue with the public. And, and as Honorable Bean mentioned, it is not restricted to the three of us, but we welcome others from the community because, you know, this is about the broad Turks and Caicos community that we would like to um, have them inform and help us to inform the public so that we can plan our way forward where we can get out of this binding situation of colonialism. Uh, thank you very much, Honorable Hall, for accommodating us to today. Um, I must say that I wish we had more time because there's a, there's a lot more that we would have loved to, that we would like to talk about. Uh, but I'm sure there are going to be other shows. But you know, I I am here today because I felt compelled to lend my voice to the national conversation as it relates to what is happening in our country. Um, and I think most caring Turks and Caicos Islanders would say that they are not happy with the response that they're getting from, and I'm talking about crime, from the commissioner, from the governor, and from the government. As far as I'm concerned, they've all failed. And I just hope that this uh, serious change, a positive change, before it gets even worse. Honorable, first of all, I'd like to, to thank you for accommodating us uh, this morning. I would also like to thank all of our listeners for listening attentively to the conversation, um, participating in the conversation through listening and through uh, an exchange of dialogue, uh, even though there was not much time available for us to have enough call-ins. But uh, what I would like to leave with our listeners is somewhere where I begun. It is absolutely essential that our young 
men and women of this country take the seriousness of securing their future and securing their country by participating, at least by beginning, in the beginning, participating in the conversation <coughs> and participating in our political system. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you very much, gentlemen. We've gone a little over the time. <coughs> it has been a pleasure hosting you, and I'm sure there will be other times. I want to thank my listeners uh, for listening in and those who called. Uh, join me again on Monday, God Spears Life, when we hope to have another informative, educational, and entertaining expressions. God bless. There was good and evil. We chose good.